Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, special edition today. Uh, I know you all love finances, so we've got a special guest. Uh, it's season 12, episode 25, and my guest today is a football... Well, well, are you a, a football finance, a football finance guru, or, as, as you said on your own podcast recently, Kieran, the prince of football? <laughs> yes. The, the, football, <coughs> the football finance prince of football. Well, yeah, I, I appeared on uh, ITV the other week and they described me as the Prince of Football. Um, I think they meant to say the price of football, but I'll, I'll, I'll take an upgrade uh, at any time. And uh, uh, yeah, there, there's a few other princes around at present getting a bit of grief. <laughs> so I thought I'd, I'd join in the game. So, so you don't need a lot of introduction, but Kieran Maguire, uh, lecturer at uh, Liverpool University, author, broadcaster on lots of podcasts, uh, podcast presenter on the very successful uh, Price of Football, not Prince of Football. Welcome. Thanks very much. I, I don't, I'm going to start with it. Funny enough, one of our long-term listeners um, who uh, has his own radio show called Ian Dale, um, I don't know if you yes. know of Ian Dale. I, I, I've spoken. I've been on Ian's show. Oh, yes. we have. Right. So yes. Ian, Ian Dale is a big fan of your podcast, and he's a big fan of our podcast. And we were at number four in his top 20. So in December, he, he um, produces his top 20 podcasts. And we were at number four last uh, year, and we were pushed Excellent. out to number five by yourselves, who went oh, no. 12 places into number one. Oh, well, that's... Yes, it's very kind of, kind of Ian. I, there, there is an excerpt currently going around on uh, on social media where he uh, I, I'm I'm a pest effectively when it comes to football clubs. So of course, um, I I just kept humiliating as much as I could Manchester United on on our show by saying we're well, supposed to be the biggest club in the world, but you won't play you won't pay your own staff uh, the the national 
living wage. So every opportunity I got to mention it, I just gave them grief. And then they phoned me up and said, look, if, if, it's not actually gonna cost us that much more money, if yeah. truth be told. If, if we do it, will you shut up? I said, of course, well, yeah, I've got um, So they did it. So he, he, he was saying something about that. And then and he described me as a, a, a professor of something or other. <laughs> At, at the University of Liverpool, which which is probably about as high high an accolade as I could possibly professor. get. Professor. Well, yeah, yeah, that's not. I'm not a professor. I'm not. I'm not clever. I'm. I'm just. I'm just somebody with a big. But mouth. you you have you have sort of uh, created this persona that you are the football finance uh, expert of the Premier League. Well, that, that that's that's not for me to say. The only reason why I, I tend to get a lot of attention is that the real guru. Of football finance, who is uh, the Swiss Ramble, a guy called Kieran. I, I, yeah, uh, I do know Swiss Ramble. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a bit uh, of a recluse. He, doesn't he is. Be... He is a bit of a recluse. He won't come on anybody's show. He, yeah. he does. He genuinely does live in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, he's he's the same age as me. He's got the same musical taste as me. Um, and he he's you know I um, I, I idolise what he's done uh, in terms of making it accessible. Um, so yeah, if if he. If he's sort of the the Lionel Messi of football finance, I'm more sort of the Craig Bellamy or Robbie Savage. I thought you were going to say the Ronaldo. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm 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 not terrible, but I'm more mouth than I am talent. Yeah, excellent. Well, we're we're glad to have you on the show today because we want to talk about West Ham finances because obviously it's that time of the year where they've just released uh, the figures. I know we spoke off air when they first came out, but I, I wanted to ask you about them. So. West Ham had a record turnover of 253, almost 253 million. Mm. Uh, that was up 60 million from the previous season. Ticket revenue was up to 41.3 million uh, on the back of a really big European uh, um, campaign that got us to the semi final against Frankfurt. TV revenue was up to 163 million. We were on the TV a bit more because we were exciting, I guess. Commercial revenue, and obviously that includes hospitality, was up to almost 35 million. And uh, those European nights did well for the retail and the club store, which was up to 13 million. Now, that, that I'm not sure it's sustainable. That was a cracking set of results for turnover. But also for the first time, I think in five years, we made a profit of 12.3 million. Um, Overall, what what was your first thoughts of uh, the set of figures released by the Hammers? Um, if if we are uh, grading clubs on their financial performance, yeah, I I'd be giving this an A. Um, there there was really good cost control, so you know West Ham achieved on the pitch in in getting to. Yeah, you know, getting seventh, and yeah, you know, I, I was at. I'm, for people that don't know, I'm a Brighton fan, so I was at that final match of the season where you know you, you were one nil up at halftime. You, I know, I was you, there. I got a speeding you, ticket along the bloody road as well. It wasn't a great day. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and, and you know, you you looked very comfortable um, for 45 minutes. Um, so. It, it was it was a good season on the pitch, uh, you know, a, 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 a decent Premier League finish. Uh, the, the progress within Europe, but, and it, yeah, it, it must have been because uh, I, I was actually working in Seville the week of the final. Oh. So and, and and I had a ticket for the match. I got oh. a ticket. I, I got a ticket in the in the ballot. 
about three months earlier because I knew I was going to be working in Seville. So I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, we're wet, if it had been West Ham versus Rangers, yeah. it would have been sort of the, it would have been the Fred Perry final. Uh, you know, and uh, I was really excited about it. So it was, it was a shame that uh, West Ham didn't get there. But even so, um, as, as you rightly said, on, on the back of the progress of the final, the, the money from ticket sales went up because you're probably making, uh, you know, when, I, I know, I know some West Ham fans are unhappy about various bits and pieces, but season ticket prices compared to the rest of London, compared to the big six are, are pretty decent. Um, yeah. but, I'm but told of course, two million, uh, it nets two million a home game on yeah. average a European. So the extra games obviously take away the season ticket for each cup game. Uh, assuming it's not early rounds and not sold out, but, yeah. but most on average, we we netted about two million a uh, an extra home game in those European and and uh, FA Cup, uh, League Cup, etc. So you know, cup cup progress when 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 you've got a big stadium like West Ham can can really make a difference. So that's why if we compare West Ham's uh, sort of t- Ticket sales pre and you know, the COVID years were clearly distorted, but you know the, the match day income in twenty nineteen, which was the last pre COVID year, was twenty seven million up to forty one. Yeah, that's up a third, and and that's on the back of cup success. And I think that shows the the importance of Europe um, to to a club such as West Ham, and then you get TV money on the back of that from from the way that UEFA operates. So. Um, it was a record year. It's it's by far the highest of the of the non big six clubs. And I think we've we've got to whether we like them, or loathe them, or very much loathe them. You've got to, I think you've got to separate those them out from the rest of the Premier Leagues. And and West Ham, in my view, not all of the clubs have published their data yet, but I think they they will be at the top and deservedly so because they, uh, they you know high Premier League finish, progress in Europe, and and they did that all without spending a fortune on on higher wages you know west ham's wage bill it's it's a lot lower than that of uh, leicester of uh, everton it's actually around about the same as that of um wolves and villa i think, I think it was it was only three million quid more than palace who who are a very small yeah, it was 135.7 up from 129.4 so I guess, you know, there are a lot more wage bills. Um, and I don't know what the percentage of turnover, I'm sure you've done it in your spreadsheet, but uh, it, it probably is quite healthy, isn't it? The percentage yeah, it's, of turnover. Yeah, it's 54%. So, yeah, so for, you know, for every £100 coming through the door, West Ham paid 54 yeah. in wages. Um, and and those wages, you know, we, we, we might as well address the elephant in the room. That, that includes Karen Brady's £1 million bonus. We'll be talking so, about that later. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I, whilst the wages were up on the previous season, remember the previous season was played totally behind closed doors. Yeah. So you will have additional match costs. I know that some of those match costs are born under the rental agreement with with the landlord, but even so, you still do have your your own West Ham costs, um, and they won't have had to be incurred um, yeah. because because of the impact of lockdown. So. Financially, it, it it really was a a very impressive set of results, um, but but we don't go to football to to cheer on balance sheets. No, 
Well, let's talk about something that West Ham fans have been talking about since, uh, you know, the, the takeover by, uh, you know, Sullivan and, and obviously Gold, who departed last week. But, um, you know, they took on a hundred million pound of debt. And, you know, we've always talked about net debt, but also bank debt, uh, external debt, and some of it's shareholder debt. Now, if we just look at net debt, that fell by 130 million. Uh, and actually is a positive. I don't know what the net debt is, you know, net assets of nearly £41 yeah. million, pounds, including, and we've got to remember this is the end of uh, May, there was £96.5 million pounds in the, the bank. What, what does that mean? You know, sometimes people worry about debt. And I think I've heard you say before, you know, debt isn't a problem as long as you can service it. But what does it mean to a football club to go from a net, Debt position to a, a, a positive decision, uh, position. Um, it, it does give uh, it, it does give some cost savings. So yeah, if if we, if we take a look at West Ham, they they paid around about nine million pounds in interest in twenty twenty one. When if if you move from net and people not familiar with the term net debt, net debt is all of the money that you owe in loans less your cash. So if I've got a yeah, if, if I've got a fifty grand mortgage yeah. and I've got a ten thousand pounds on my credit cards and I've got three grand in my bank account, I'd say, well it's it's fifty plus ten minus three, you work it out and, and therefore yeah my net debt there would be fifty seven. So it, it's exactly the same for a football club. You look at all of the money that's due to Lenders. Some of those are external lenders. Um, you know, there's there's uh, MSD Holdings. I think were involved, um, and of course, some of that that debt was originally due to uh, David Gold and David Sullivan. Um, and then you subtract the cash. So so West Ham have moved from net debt of eighty nine million to to net cash of forty one, which is a big turnaround. And, and nearly all of that, I, I think, comes from the involvement of Daniel Kretinsky when he decided to yeah. uh, get involved with the club during the course of the we're, year. We're going to talk about that in a minute. West Ham, the bit I didn't quite understand is West Ham continued to borrow £55 million from MSD, which is part of Michael Dell's I don't know, retirement plan and rumoured to be <laughs> about 9% interest. If we've got surplus in the bank and their assets... You know, why why wouldn't you just pay off the, the bank loan? Is is there some benefits of why you wouldn't, you know, why you would leave fifty five million of um, uh, debt still paying nine percent on it and not wipe well, it all out? Yeah, there's there's two uh, there's two potential issues here. First of all, it could be a loan in which, uh, again, sort of using the mortgage analogy, sometimes if you pay off your mortgage early, you, you get stung with a big interest penalty. So it, it might not actually be in the club's interest to to, to pay back it early. Se secondly, um, what we see in football is that football is a very volatile and erratic industry. So. Yes, West Ham had this £97 million worth of cash in their bank accounts um, at the 31st of May uh, 2022. But remember, uh, fans will have already bought their season tickets for 22-23. Yeah. For so that money, um, that money really needs to be spread over the course of the next year because it's got to, it's got to cover your wages 
it's got to cover your your day-to-day running costs so we set we tend to see big spikes in uh, football clubs cash um, at the end of May, at the end of June, you know, some football clubs are the 30th of June year end. And what happens there is that they, they say, people say, why have they got so much cash? Well, you've got your season ticket money. You've also perhaps got a, a down payment or, or, a, or even the full amount from your, your front of shirt sponsor for the next season. And the Premier League itself normally pays around about 50 to 60% of um, the flat fee for the following season for the TV money. It pays that to clubs up front. And and the reason for that is that if you you think about it from the point of view of Sky and BT Sport, they've got nothing to do over the summer. Okay, I I like cricket and I, I like a bit of other sport, but football is the big driver as far as the... uh, uh, the, the subscription sports channels are concerned. So what they realised very quickly when this Premier League was created, that if you if you give clubs you know, £30 million, £40 million, whatever it's going to be, at the start of June, they'll go and spend that on the transfer market. And the, the second most watched thing as far as Sky Sports is concerned is if it's not live matches, People like to follow the transfer market. So they're effectively pumping money into the transfer market at the start of June when the money goes to the Premier League and goes to the clubs. And then that allows, you know, allows Sky to have their cameras at all the different grounds saying, yeah, this person signed, this person And, and it's, it's actually in the interests of the broadcasters as just as much as it is in the interests of the football clubs. But again, that money is going to disappear because you, yeah. you're not going to spend it over the next 12 months, that's going to be spent in June and July. So the the figures that we see for cash in the accounts of clubs, they, they tend to be um, sort of you know, record high figures for the year because the number is it's yeah, if, if I'm if I'm running a if, I, if I'm running the washing machine factory company, uh, I've got the same amount going out each month and I'm selling the same amount of washing machines parts each month. Your, your cash tends to be reasonably level. But for football, it's simply not like that. It's, you've got you've got the transfer market, which is clearly you know, sort of you know, June, July, August, and then you've got the January window as well. So lots of money potentially coming in and out, um, and and the, the money coming in from season ticket sales from broadcasters mm-hmm. from your commercial partners tends to be quite lumpy. You don't actually make a lot of money on an individual match because you think about West Ham. How many season tickets have West Ham got? I know they did a 54,000, but I'm sure I'm sure West Ham fans it's told over, me. It's over 52,000. Over 52,000. 52, um, so you know, you've got 10,000 tickets being sold on an individual match. Um, yeah, and 3,000 of them are away. 3,000 are away, so they're capped at 30 quid. You know, let, let's, say you get, let's say you average 35 um, and then you've got to take out VAT, so the club will get, you know, say, 28. Yeah. You've got you know, 10,000 tickets at 28 pounds. You're making 300 grand per home match. Yeah. Now, yeah, they're not being rude. That doesn't, that doesn't go very far yeah. in terms of play. yeah, players. The average West Ham player is, based on my figures, which, which are glorified estimates, you know, I reckon they're on probably between 60 to 65K a week. Or, you know, on average, silly company, you know, on some average, players yeah. or more. Um, so... You know, if that that does not go very far at all when when you're bringing in three hundred grand a match from yeah. 
from ticket sales. But so, by so the way, I think you're being a bit generous to West Ham fans thinking that we renew early. We keep it in our bank accounts to the absolute deadline in July. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the same. You know, we're not going to put it in their bank account. You know, there's no incentive to uh, oh, really? sign okay. up early. So there's a massive rush. And in fact, often the website crashes on deadline right. day and they have to extend it another day. Because wow. we, we all renew on the very last possible moment to keep it in our banks. Oh, well, fair play then. Um, one thing I do make you right on, though, is um, the transfers. The post notes of the accounts, which I'm sure you saw, was mm. um, the post note said we spent 155 million, uh, net 155 million, so a lot more than that because we sold a couple of players, and another 18 million on add ons. Now, I guess on average, you might say I'm wrong here. Around a third of that will be paid up front on average. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're talking over fifty million of that ninety-six million was probably paid out in upfront transfer fees. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, the the summer twenty-two window was the most expensive. Was the biggest spend in in West Ham's history. The, yeah. pre, the previous biggest ones were were 118, 108 million in uh, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are are listening to this and goes, he, he 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 doesn't have any friends and he doesn't get invited to parties, does he? If he knows all these numbers, and, and it's true. I I get so I get invited to so few parties. I don't even. I've know got what your the party spreadsheet. Is. You released it on Twitter I, during the I did, pandemic. Didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I've got a copy of that. It's a, right. it's a cracking read. Um, we we owe eighty one million pound to other clubs. It says in the accounts. Is is that quite normal? To again, in relation to people uh, clubs outside the it, Um It's it's probably at the top end of the uh, of the non big six clubs, but it's not it's not huge, and, and uh, I suspect that figure will have gone up. So. Looking at other clubs, uh, Wolves, for example, owed uh, 111, Leeds owed 85, Everton owed 77, Villa 73. Uh, So you're you're in with the group that you'd expect to be in with. Manchester United, uh, because they had a really poor start to the season, they just went crazy with their but they're effectively their, their MUFC credit card. They owe over 300 million quid in instalments to other clubs for transfer fees. And that includes, yeah, includes like, so you have Donny van der Beek and some of the other uh, less, less, than, less than stellar uh, sub players that, that, they've, that they've acquired. Mm. Um, so it, it, does, it does vary from uh, club to club, you know, but uh, United, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, City, uh, uh, Liverpool, but they all owe well over a hundred million pounds each. Yeah. Well, you you talked earlier about investment that made this possible, and Daniel Kudinski, um obviously uh, invested in the club last year, and and we didn't know it was all speculation until the council released how much he paid for those shares. But it was released that obviously there was a rights issue, and there was a previous rights issue in the pandemic of thirty million with existing shareholders, and there was a new rights issue, which again split the. Um, the, sh- the shares and he invested he paid 125 million for 20 percent of the west ham holding company and then he paid another 43.75 million for another seven percent from other directors i haven't mm. quite worked out who those directors are i'm sure i could um that means uh, i'm sure you've done it in your head already 168.75 million 
for 27%. And if you work that out, that's 625 million uh, valuation. And there is something in the article's association that says, Kredinsky or any other shareholder has the option to buy more shares at the set, that set price. Mm. Um, so my question is, 625, I know I've heard you say on your podcast, I've heard you say it give a range of 700 to 800 million. I know Karen Brady on her own website gives a valuation of 800. Mm. Is 625 right in the current market? And, and I know I, I've asked David Sullivan this question. He said, a club is only worth as much as someone's prepared to pay for it. But, you know, if I pushed you for a valuation of West Ham right now, where, where would it end up? I, I think it's probably worth a wee bit more than 625. Yeah. Um, and, and and what we no, normally say is that um, there's something which don't sound like too like a, people must be thinking I'm a right nerd. I'm a nerd. Um, but there's something called a control premium. So in, in order to go above 51, you know, to get to 51%, normally you've got to pay a wee bit extra to, to yeah. get that because once you get to 51%, that allows you effectively to appoint the board of directors. That allows you to have much more control in terms of strategy and therefore persuading people to give up their shares that will take you to 51% um, might involve a wee bit more money. But yeah. 625, if, if we sort of benchmark it against, I mean, there's sort of been three Premier League deals over the course of the last 12 months. We've got Chelsea at 2.5 billion. Yeah. That, that's just a stupid price. Yeah. You know, Fair play, you know, and I think this is where David Sullivan got it right. Um, if 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 you've got enough idiots in a room, one of them will pay <laughs> a silly amount of money. Um, and also, I think what the uh, what the Rain Group, who were in charge of that sale, did, they were very good at getting uh, getting people bidding against each other. And sometimes common sense leaves the room, and it's replaced with testosterone, and, yeah. and testosterone drives up prices. Um, so we had we had Chelsea at two point five billion. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say on a West Ham podcast that Chelsea are bigger than West Ham because <laughs> I, I, I value my kneecaps. I'm quite attached to them, yeah. and also my uncle Tony was a lifelong West Ham fan. Oh, was he? he? Oh, yes. He, oh, yeah. Well done. Yeah. So, so it, it would be turning in his grave if he. But, but Chelsea. The reason why a premium was paid because. Um, Chelsea do have quite a big international fan base. Mm. They have been regularly qualifying for the uh, Champions League. And given a young Brighton fan, given that they took our player of the season, our manager, our head of recruitment, our assistant manager, our goalkeeping coach, our uh, former captain, who was one of the coaches, and our, one of our under-18 players, seeing them lose week after week, I'm, I'm very, very sorry for them, as you can imagine. Mm. Um but I, I don't think that's really a good benchmark price because they are operating in a slightly different market to West Ham. We, if you think that we had uh, Newcastle United went for three hundred and five million, so for West Ham to be worth twice that when West Ham don't own the property asset of the stadium, uh, yeah, I, I think is indicative that uh, people are willing to pay more for West Ham in the sense that uh, it's in London, and if, if you if you yeah. talk to Talk to investors. They just—it's the same as house prices to a certain extent. People are prepared to pay quite a bit more to be in London because London is, is such an iconic city. And if you think about it, if you're a if you're a director of that football club, 
and you can say, you know, you, let's say you're doing a business deal with somebody or you're trying to impress some other high rollers, uh, you know, to say, do you want to come to the London Stadium, the Olympic Stadium, which my football team play in, um, and afterwards we can go to some swanky, swanky West End theatre and, you know, restaurant and got people will be impressed. And, and that's actually part of the, 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 the value for the club. I mean, I'm, I, I have heard uh, from independent sources of Karen Brady's website that um, somebody did put in a bid of 800 million a few years ago. And I believe David Sullivan said, we, we still think we could get a billion for it. And, and they turned it down. Now, you know, like, I'm not sure like, that's true, but let's go with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I, I, t I take all such stories with with a pinch of salt, but certainly the, the club is is worth a fair. Yeah, you know, Bournemouth went for one hundred and twenty, but hey, it's Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people approach them unsolicited, and what I've often been told is, you know, lots of crazy people and mm. sane people approach them unsolicited with crazy offers, yeah. but actually they don't consider it an offer unless it's got to a point where proof of funds have been produced. Yeah. In their view, including Pi Capital, no one has ever pr produced proper, mm. in their view, proof of funds, and therefore no formal bid has been made. I'm sure bids like the one you just mentioned been made on an email or, or yeah. phone call or whatever, or through a solicitor, but unless proof of funds are actually provided and they're in escrow or whatever, it, in, it, it, I understand in their view they don't consider it a formal offer. I'm, and I think they're absolutely right to take such an approach because um, I am I am very very much at the periphery of the football industry, but I get asked at least once a month to do a valuation of a football club, to advise <laughs> somebody on a football club, and uh, I'll I'll do it as out of mischief as much as anything yeah. else um just to see just to see what goes but it, it becomes very evident very quickly that i'm i'm talking to either somebody who's completely deranged or just a glorified tire yeah. kicker who who wants to get their name in the press that's and that's that's the challenge i'm gonna ask yeah. one difficult question and, and and i did my own valuation i'll tell you what it was what do you think west ham would be worth if they were relegated to the championship and um, and, you know, if you've given a, a rough estimate of, let's say, 700 million, putting words in your mouth, mm -hmm. in the Premier League, uh, what I did was I thought, mm, OK, so an investor would have to pay no more than 300 million to get them mm -hmm. back in the Premier League, probably a lot less. Yeah. So at worse, it should be 300 million less. And so it would be 400 million. And, and when I made this public in a, in a blog article I did, people go, you, you'll be crazy if you think any championship club would ever be worth 400 million and, and maybe i was putting too much common sense to it but how does it work that you know if something's worth this much let's use a figure of 700 million in the premier league how can it be dropped to like i don't know 100 million or 200 million in the championship it doesn't make a lot of sense well when without wanting to get too much into sort of the world of finance. When when you are valuing any business, you, you base it on the your expectation yeah. of of future cash. Now, as a pure championship club, I would say that West Ham yeah, and and with no chance, you know, and they're not going to get promoted in the court next course of the next ten years. You you you'd probably get something like 100, 120 million if if you were lucky. As as West Ham, who 
you know, when West Ham have been relegated, it's 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 been it's, it's an opportunity to go to Barnsley. It is, yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah, for, for twelve months. Um, yeah. And I've had some great seasons, by the way, in the Championship. Yeah. Uh, uh, for, as long as it's only for one year, right? And you're exactly. Back the next, yeah. Um, so what what you would say is um, there would probably be a reduction in income of. For, for, you know, looking at West Ham, I'd probably be looking at a reduction in income of somewhere in the region of 150 mil. Uh, and if you if you make that adjustment, then and then say, well, you know, we're not guaranteed to get back in one season, so yeah. let's be cautious. Uh, we would go from six, you know, the present figure of let's say six two five to some. I would, I still think you could get 300 million quite easily because yeah. you you are still in your head measuring West Ham as, as a club with Premier League potential. And you've got the parachute payments as well, which gives you a, an advantage, obviously. It, it, it gives you an advantage to a certain extent, but you will have players on, you know, if you're paying players an average of 60 grand a week, uh, it, that doesn't, yeah, that's three million pounds a year. Wow. You, get, you get 40 million of parachute payments in your first season. So that's going to cover... Yeah, funny you say that because there's provisions in the accounts I'm sure you read for relegation and yeah. it says that players' wages would reduce and players would be sold and, and yeah. other cost-cutting. My understanding, and I think you covered this on Price of Football recently, is there are clauses in most of the West Ham contracts for relegation clauses as much as 50%. However, mm. equally, it does allow them to to have rights to leave right so it's, yes. it's two-way clause yeah. in, in the contract you know yeah I, I think there'll be relatively few on a 50 percent reduction because you wouldn't have persuaded them to come to west yeah. ham in the first yeah. place certainly um I, I was talking to the chief executive of a club which had been in the premier league and was then relegated to the championship and he says yeah the biggest problem for us is if, if we're at the, should we describe it, at the arse end of the Premier League in January and I'm trying to persuade you know, an attacking midfield player, I'm trying to get a striker to come in um, and we're going to offer them, if, if you're a bottom six club, the chance, you know, you, there's a lot, you know, we know that there's a lot of clubs that are a lot smaller than West Ham, but if I'm trying to offer him 40, 45 grand a week, that player's not going to come if I say um, after four or five months, that money's going to drop to 20 grand. Yeah. So, under those circumstances, you're probably looking at a ten to twenty percent pay cut, um, and yeah, you know, I, I suspect that you know Declan Rice isn't going to take a fifty percent pay cut. No, no, well, we, so, uh, he's probably going this summer anyway. Yeah, so we, yeah. We, we we know that we all know that. So uh, hopefully, whether we get relegated or not, and hopefully we won't, uh, he, he's off in the summer. Yeah. Let me just move on a little bit to. I mean, obviously, we we talked briefly about the tragic passing of David Gold last mm. last Wednesday. Um, the um, And I know I sent you an email last night because the confirmation statement, you see, you get excited about spreadsheets. I get confirm, I get excited when a um, company's house email arrives to say there's an update <laughs> on West Ham accounts. And uh, it was a confirmation statement which, which lists all the, the shareholders. And, yeah. you know, there'd been a lot of speculation because back last year, one of the companies that hold, held nearly 8% of West Ham was called Gold International Group mm. or Gold Group International. And that was voluntarily liquidated. Um, I believe David Gold was setting out his plans 
before um, his passing. So he, he, he stopped becoming the shareholder and director of Ann Summers and various other gold group companies yeah. uh, and really took himself off everything except for West Ham. Um, so it was a bit of a mystery. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, what, what had happened to that, that sort of 7.8%? And, and yesterday it's been revealed that most of it went to two trusts uh, yeah. called David Gold Possession Trusts. Uh, and obviously I'm sure that will go to his family. Um two shares went to another company which i haven't i have asked the club this but went to a company that was also voluntarily liquidated and i've sort of written to the cfo going how how can shares if this is a confirmation statement how can shares be transferred to something that no longer exists after march so Mm. anyway it's two shares let's not get too worried about that but but the majority of the shares and remember david gold uh owned 21 uh 25.1 when he died 17 percent are still personally uh, in his name, not through trusts or companies. Mm. Um, look, I know you're a finance expert and probably not a tax expert. I'm going to ask you the question anyway. D- is it likely, from the research I've done, there's something called business relief. If yeah. you've got a family company where you've owned assets for over two years, it can be passed down to your family without attracting inheritance tax. Is, yeah. is that what... Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, the, the whole aim behind inheritance tax is uh, the, the government says, yeah, in an ideal world, we'd, we'd like a proportion of the deceased's estate. At the same time, what we don't want to do is to create a situation in which um, companies have to be sold or closed down, which are, especially if they are family companies, in order to raise the cash to pay the exchequer. So there is the opportunities for continuity and um uh yeah first of all you know uh, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about the passing of david gold because uh he, he was 
genuinely nice guy. He was. You know, everybody I speak to in the world of football and also in the world of broadcasting uh, spoke spoke very highly of him. Um, and and you can't do that with with every director of every football club. I can assure you of that. Mm. Um, uh, so there will have been some form of estate planning and succession planning in, in sure. order you to You don't have that much money uh, yeah. and not employ professionals to legally work out what happens when when you die, yeah? Yeah. So um, I, I, I don't perceive there being a major problem. I think the, the issue is going to be is, is what in the intentions of the family going forwards well, and you know, yeah so interestingly dan cunningham has been on who's his bro, uh, son-in-law yeah he's a mad west ham fan and um he's been on the board since last year and i was told he was being groomed as sort of succession plan um out of the two daughters um vanessa is a big west ham fan and i mm -hmm. think she's likely to take his seat because he gets two seats on the board her husband is a Spurs fan, but let's not hold that against him. Um, so when I spoke to David Gold a few years ago, he absolutely talked about the words family dynasty and he wanted his, yeah. his children had the passion. He wanted, they wanted, he wanted them to take it on and he saw it as handing it down to the next generation. Now, obviously they could do what they want, but, and I don't know them very well. I've only mm. met Jackie and Vanessa once, so I, I knew Gold a lot better. But I think they're honouring his wishes. But it also means this time story about it would hasten the sale of shares um, to Daniel Kudinski or someone else now seems complete. Well, I was going to say speculation, but let me call it bollocks for what it is. Because <laughs> under the inheritance tax, they wouldn't have to pay 40% inheritance tax. If they sold the yeah. asset straight away, I'm right in Correct. thinking that 40% would then be due, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, in all probability, unless there is some other trusts involved. Yes, so, so um, I yeah, I, I, I agree with you entirely. I, I don't see the, the long-term future of West Ham being significantly impacted by David's passing. Yeah, so I suppose that talks about, you know, there's been a, you know about this because you've been asked about this a long time. We're approaching the 10-year anniversary of the concession agreement. Mm. Um, and it's been rumoured that, you know, as we get to March 2023, everyone's going to sell up. Uh, we've talked about gold family shares, which is unlikely now because of inheritance tax. Um, uh, and, and obviously March is that key day. I mean, I've spoken uh, to, to David Sullivan, who says he's got no plans to do so. Uh, I don't know about Trip Smith and I don't know about the others, but they, they hold a very small. Yeah. And Daniel Kudinski has got a very big uh, reputation as being a minority mm. shareholder. I mean, he, I, I got told by someone very close to the club, you know, Daniel Kudinski has got 50 different companies and he treats West Ham like one of the 50 companies, right? Give me the ball packs, give me this. You know, yeah. you're, no, you're no special than any of the other 50 companies. Um, do you see, the question is, do you see West Ham as attractive takeover target post March this year, when when they're free of windfall tax, do you see, you know, every club's for sale. If someone makes a bid, do you see someone with Man United and Liverpool being up for sale? Um, there is huge interest in in the Premier League and, and, and in European football in general. There is a uh, there is a common belief, especially amongst American investors, that we don't know how to sell football particularly well. Mm -hmm. in, in, in an ideal world, 
they would have a game which had four quarters because you've got more adverts. You've got more advert breaks if you got that. They'd much have you know, four, four quarters of you know, 20 minutes. Um, they, they, re relegation would be done on a playoff basis. Uh, and, that, yeah, and that would be exciting. Yeah, it wouldn't be good for the heart. But it would be exciting. <laughs> I heard you talk about a four four quarters and and stuff like this. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I so yeah, I, I think there is a there is a view that uh, we're not particularly good at marketing the game compared to America, where where football football is seen sorry where sport is seen as part of the entertainment industry. Yeah. Whereas we, I think we this side of the pond see them as two very distinct things. You know, if I go to a concert, I go to have a good time. Yes, hopefully it will, it will be memorable. Um, but yeah, if, if they don't play my favourite songs, well, so be it. Um, if, if, I, if I go to a football match and we're dreadful, then you know, it, it takes normally until about Tuesday before I start talking to people again. Um, and so I, th I think we've got a far bigger emotional investment in the football um, and, and sport in general in Europe than they do in the States. Um, I think they would like, ideally, from an American perspective, to bring more of the entertainment aspect. Um, yeah, and, and I, I still cringe when you know the, the players shake hands with each other before a game. Hmm. Well, what's that? What's that to do? Yeah, it's not sort of football. We I'll kick lumps out of you the next night. Mate. So, um, I, I think, therefore, there is there is certainly the potential for investment. What would attract somebody to West Ham? Well, you know, they've just had a sixth and a seventh place finish. They've just been to the Europa League. They've got this fantastic stadium. They are in London. They did win the World Cup. You know, you can you can leverage. And we on... might win the uh, Europa Conference League. You know, even yeah. though we might get relegated, I'm sure we won't. But we might win the Europa Conference League and end up in the Europa League again next year. You know, there's there's yeah. still that chance. So, so there, there, there's there's a you know, and it's yeah you know, what sixty is the is the biggest stadium in London. Is that right? Um, with with the with the recent increase, it's it's sixty two and a half. I mean, they're actually yeah. sixty six thousand seats. Um, right. I forget what Spurs is. It's very close. It's yeah. very very close. But we certainly, from the average fulfilment, we sell more tickets uh, yeah. than than anyone else in London, definitely. So so yeah, that that's a very attractive proposition for an yeah. investor. Um, and also, you know, yeah, we, we, we're talking, you know, six hundred million pounds. Um, that gives you uh, an awful lot of attention in you know, one hundred and ninety-eight countries mm -hmm. to which the Premier League is being broadcast on a week-by-week -week yeah. basis. Uh, if you if you were to buy a computer games company, you, you know, Activision went for sixty-five billion. So, yeah, it's a hundred times the amount of West Ham. Well. You're not getting a hundred times the amount of attention, and, and nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Whereas football club owners, uh, you know, if, if we were to go on pointless and say name a ro name name a Russian oligarch, well, we know who the you know, the worst choice would be yeah. because you know, what Abramovich did was he, he bought himself uh, he, you know, he, his investment in Chelsea was was huge. But it also stopped him from falling accidentally out of a window because he was such so high profile. Yeah, yeah. I want to move on to London Stadium before we, we, we finish up with Karen Brady's pay. Um, <laughs> so we're at 10-year anniversary of signing yep. the 2013 uh, deal for London Stadium. Some would say the deal of the century, to quote Barry Hearn. Um, 
the question I got asked most to ask you is, is it still, a, 10 years on, is it still a good deal? And I've got to say financially, because we can't talk mm. about football, because you're a financial expert. Is it a good deal financially 10 years on, that, that concessionaire agreement that they signed? Yes, it is, because it, it gives you, it, it does give you certainty. Um, yes, the yes, the rent has gone up for for technical reasons as much as anything else. You know, there there is a uh, there is an inflation adjustment if you play more than twenty five times a season. There you, and and it's index linked, by the way, as well. And yeah. So I think it's up to three point six million last year, four million this year. It's been announced in in the London Assembly, but it's still, I guess, quite small compared with what we'd pay to run our own stadium. Yeah, if, if you think that Spurs are paying twenty-five million pounds a year in interest alone yeah. on, on on the loan to buy their stadium, and then you've got the fact that they're responsible for the maintenance costs, they're responsible for repairs, it actually works out as as a fantastic deal for West Ham. Um, and you know, I, I know it's you know, pe people will have polarized opinions on this, yes. uh, and, and I understand where they're coming from. But financially, it's, yeah. it's, it's I mean, absolutely that's, fantastic. I, I guess a lot of West Ham fans, old West Ham fans, are, um, you know, well, they were promised next level. Now, yes. you, you can define next level in yeah. lots of ways. And, and the, the reason they always want to ask the question, was it worth it, was, you know, are we getting more money from ticket revenue? Well, we certainly did last year, right? Yeah. And, that, and at the stadium, are you getting more sponsorship? Are you getting more... Um, hospitality and if I think it's yes to all of those but I guess is it sustainable this is really take us to the next level to make us you know part of the big six or the big seven or wherever you want to call yeah. it and compete with well nowadays Newcastle believe it or not mm. or you know it's um, it's a difficult one but I, I, I think it I think it, it has the potential to take West Ham out of yeah, and I appreciate West Ham are not having a good season in 22, yeah. 23. Out of a club where you would say, where is, where is West Ham's natural position? And before the stadium move, you know, my gut reaction, I'd probably say yeah, 10th to 12th in the Premier League. Yeah. Following the move, I would say 7th to 9th in the Premier yeah. League. So that means that, you know, and, and in a good season, you know, you will get into that Europa League place or you, or you will get into the Europa Conference. So I, I do think that it has given West Ham the resources to step up a wee bit, but it was never going to be sufficient to to allow West Ham to compete mm -hmm. with the big six because West Ham is, is, is at heart, it's a local club. Yeah. You know, and you and I both know where sort of West Ham's you know, beating heart of the fan base comes from. Whereas if you take a look at social media for what's happened at Chelsea over yeah. the course of the last few weeks, nearly all of those posts are coming from overseas. Yeah. No, so it, it's, it, it's allowed West Ham to be more competitive, I think, domestically. Is it going to grow you an international fan base? No, no, it's not. In in, in exactly the same way, you know, whenever to move to their new stadium, which is you know is a fifty four thousand capacity, and we've got we've got a resurgent Newcastle, but you you're not getting people in Nairobi, you're not getting people no. in Beijing, 
say, oh, I'm going to stop supporting Manchester United, I'm going to support the Amazon, I'm going to support Newcastle, and it's never going to be like that. You know, yeah. the, the, those ships have sailed, but I think it does allow West Ham to be more competitive against the peer group of... Newcastle's a difficult one, but I would say, you know, Villa, Leicester, Wolves, you know, and so on. Yeah. Um, and, and you are fighting for that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think the the, the stadium move, and, and you know, as as an away fan, I used to love going to West Ham's old place. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's proper football, and we absolutely understand all of that. And you know. What what really strikes me, and you, know, you have to do it once a fortnight, yeah. is yeah you know, at, at the new place you don't even know that you're walking to a football ground until you're about a hundred yards away. Whereas, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, is 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 it Upton Park or is it the bowling ground? I always I always get well. The, uh, technically, Upton Park they're interchangeable. We only started yeah. calling it the bowling ground in the last few years. I know, yeah, yeah, because most people called it. But we we're not precious whether you call it the bowling ground or right, Upton cool, Park, really, right. My, my second question on the London Stadium is, uh, LLDC, the owners, are, are probably going to be mostly disbanded in the end of 2025. And there's been talk about long lease or taking over the stadium. With, with the current deal we've got, £4 million a year, can you see any condition where financially that would be a, a good deal for West Ham? Would we need, I don't know, a government subsidy? I mean, I don't know if you know, but I follow the London assembly and the public funding is increasing to 18 million next year that's yeah. 18 million just in operating costs it's gone up because of london living wage and inflation costs and as they call it wrongly fan behavior but it's actually andelect european yeah. behavior oh, right but, <clears throat> that's where the cost came from if you were in Cameron's position would you want to have a long lease or, or would you go actually i'm very happy with my uh my rental agreement for the next 99 years thank you very much I, I would stick where we are at present from a West Ham point of view yeah um, I mean the only advantage of having a long lease is that it gives you a bit of control but and people say oh well you could you could you could host this that and the other um, you know London's pretty competitive for venues for, yeah. for big events so you know, and Spurs is purpose built for that as well. Um, you know, I I go to Hyde Park most years as well, and places like that. So so why you're not going to suddenly get another dozen days out at West Ham to bring in additional money? Um, so I, I just I just can't see any. Major benefit. League Baseball is a bit of a vanity project when they don't make any money out of it. And, yeah. and the same with the, I mean, I'm told the uh, Athletics are uh, angling for a £10 million payoff to, to move out. Um, but obviously the public sector don't want to give it to them. And, mm. and obviously the concerts don't really, I mean, it's, it, it, whichever way you cut it, and I'm sure there's mismanagement, it's really difficult to balance the books without a subsidy in, in some yeah. ways. And some of those are, Odorous and historic contracts. If, if you t if you take a look at all of the flagship stadiums from Olympic competitions, from World Cups over the course of the last twenty to thirty years, the vast majority of them are white elephants. Yeah. Once once the circus leaves town, 
and um, that, that that was very much the case with the London Stadium as well. Yeah. And in the when you're pitching for the competition, you always say, "Oh, it's multifunction. We can do this, that, and the other." Um, it's just a sales pitch. It, 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 yeah. You know, you've you've only got to look to see what. Yeah, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to go to Cape Town to see the stadium there. Sit, and I, I was I was in the World Cup in was it 2010? It, it had a fantastic time there. But but now it's just overgrown. Yeah, they're, they're getting yeah. nothing for it uh, yeah. at all. My last question on the London Stadium, and it's naming rights. And the round's been going on for 10 years, you know. They, Vodafone was supposed to, and then it was an Indian tractor company. It, it, everybody's blaming. The politicians are pointing to each other. I don't know if you know, but last Thursday, the mayor was questioning, mm. could he get involved and get involved? And he was very reluctant. And then one side leaked a five-page letter to <laughs> the uh, evening standard from Karen Brady. Uh, saying that, you know, they were in the market for a new shirt sponsor when Betway runs out and maybe they could combine it. Um, one of the, I, th- I find very unusual because it's public sector is in their budget, they've actually said they would sell it as cheap as £2 million. Mm. Uh, but then when quizzed on that, they went, but we hope to sell it for more. That's our absolute lowest price, which is not very good negotiating. It's not very, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, what sponsor would ever want to pay more than two million pound now that they know that? Um, what, 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 in your view, financial view is is either the value of and how should they be sold? This is something that's been going on for ten years. Do, should should it just be get West Ham to sell it, or as an agent, or is it is the day of big sponsorship deals long gone? Because I, I notice Spurs still haven't tied one up. Yeah. I think Spurs are in a slightly different position because it is still their ground, um, and and they have been at pains to call it, you know, the Tottenham Hotspur statement. They, they, that they are still looking for a bigger price. Um, if you talk to commercial people, if you talk to marketing people, they say you normally get one chance to get your name and rights right which is when the stadium is built. So that's why you know, we call it the Emirates, we call it the yeah. Etihad. We, at, my, at my place, we call it the Amex. Yeah. Um, it's been known as the London Stadium. It's still, some people still call it the, the, the Olympic Stadium. That, that, that has now disappeared. So you're, you're now in a position similar to what we're seeing at, at Coventry. Yeah, I call it the RICO, but it's the Coventry Building Society. Yeah, no, stadium. you're right. If if you go to Bolton, you know you and I we grew up with Bolton as the Reebok, and now then it became the Macron. I think it might now be the University of Bolton Station Stadium. But the thing is, I don't know, and I don't particularly care because I say if I get, if I get to the station, I get in a cab. Say take me to the Reebok. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Karen Brady is actually making a valid point that unless it's bundled as a long term deal, first of all. Because no sponsor, no no sponsor in three years' time is going to say, "Well, it's been the Vodafone Stadium for three years, and now it's going to be called the, you know, the Charlie Cheeseburger Stadium, or whatever it's going to be," um, because ev- everybody knows it by the first name. Um, so unless you can get a long-term deal, and also you can combine that with a long-term front of shirt deal, it, it's it's pretty close to worthless. Yeah, and, and I think that's the view. I'm not sure in a rental deal it actually benefits West Ham hmm. changing the brand. So yeah. Um, last question: You just talked about Karen Brady. Uh, she was paid 
four million pounds uh, a modest increase in what she was paid on a basic of you know I think she was at 1.23 and she went to 1.24 um, and then she was paid a one million pound bonus for introducing Daniel Kredinsky she mm. previously got the same for Trip Smith I think she got a million pound for introducing him when he invested 10% and also for the stadium move um, she gets a lot of grief for the money she earns because people point out all the different jobs she does. Yeah. Um, and I won't ask you whether she's worth it or not because uh, that'd be very subjective. But how does her pay rank in comparison to other um, CEOs of, of doing a similar job? Um, if we focus on a basic, I would say it's just above mid-table as far as the Premier League is concerned. You've got, you've got Manchester United at three, you've yep. got Spurs 2.7, Chelsea 2.2, Brighton 2 million, Everton 2 million, uh, Villa 1.1, Palace varies, it's somewhere between 800 and 2.2. Um, so it's, it's, it's certainly not excessive by Premier League standards. Um, and then we also have to think, well, who ultimately is a gr who, who is giving her that wage? And, and that's David Golden, and historically, and, and David, David Sullivan. Yeah. Um, and they have worked with Karen Brady yeah, from, from their time at Birmingham together and yeah. at West Ham. And when you are employing somebody at an executive role, you, you ask yourself three questions. Do I like you? Do I trust you? Can you do the job? And as far as they are concerned, and it's ultimately it's it's their money which is being paid to us as far as far as yeah as far as the two David yeah, one David now I appreciate um, she fulfilled that role very well she raised the profile of um, West Ham through her other activities and they felt that they got good value for money um, Cameron Brady is 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 a very smart person in terms mm. of her business experience and knowledge. Um, sometimes she, I think, her communication skills sometimes can be a bit, uh, a bit, to uh, insensitive, and they rub up fans the wrong way. But yeah. but the chances are those fans would be upset, whatever. Yeah, fans, I, yeah, yeah. And um, when things aren't going good at football, whether you give soothing words or um, or inflammatory words, people are going to take them in the same way anyway. Um, so she, she's not she's not at the, the top level as far as Premier League wages are concerned. Yeah, excellent. Well, we've run out of time. I guess one quick question, which is overall, considering what we've gone through in the last few years, are West Ham, in your view, financially sustainable going forward? Is, is it a model that I know you often talk about on the price of football, a well-run club? Is it financially a well-run club or is it on its... Or is it working towards that? I, I think it's made a lot of progress since it moved from the old stadium to the new one. Um, it, it's taken time to uh, establish networks and relationships to, to generate more money, but they are starting to come to fruition. Um, we have seen yeah, this summer West Ham spend more money in, in a single transfer window than at, at any other time yeah. before in, in the club's history. So, um, what good yeah. it did us, by the way, Kieran, but there you go. Yeah, <laughs> quantitative and qualitative uh, are, are different things, of course. Um, I, I think they, they are a sustainable club. 
Would I rather be West Ham or West Brom at present? I would certainly be rather be West Ham. Excellent. Good, good place to finish. Um, if people want to, uh, I, know, I know you're on Twitter, prolific on Twitter, and you're also, uh, where can people find you and, and the, the podcast? Yeah, so I, I do this podcast with uh, comedian Kevin Day called The Price of Football, and somehow we've, we've managed to carve a little niche in, 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 the, uh, in the podcast universe. Uh, so that goes out twice a week, sometimes three times a week, depending upon... It's the one other podcast I listen to. I'll be honest with you. It's my, I, I, it, I, I it, listen it's, to it in the car religiously twice a week. Yeah, it, it's different. It, different doesn't mean it's better than, than other yeah. podcasts. But yeah, we, we think we... You know, I've always... I was told when somebody said, do you want to go into podcasting? The one piece of advice I was given was be big or be niche. And we've gone, we've gone niche. Yeah. Um, so we, we talk to chief executives. We occasionally talk to managers, ex-players... We talk to the people that make the pies. We talk to the, the police officers. You know, what's the finances of police? We're hoping to get some people from commercial directors and so on. Um, all we're trying to do is, is, is to inform uh, people as much about the football industry. So it's, it's not a football podcast. It's a football industry podcast. And I think that's what perhaps sets it slightly yeah, apart. It um, and, and I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm working with Kevin. You know, Kevin, Kevin's... People will remember him from Match of the Day 2. Uh, he writes the scripts for uh, Have I Got News For You. He, he writes material for lots of other comedians as well. And I, for me, it, it's like having a therapist twice a week because I just sit there and <laughs> chuckle away. He's, he is so professional. No, he's, he's very funny. Yeah. Good. And, and of course, your book. Don't, don't forget to plug your book. Oh, right. Yes. Well, I've, I've, I've written a book called The Price of Football. I, 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 the best way I describe it, it's... It's football finance for non-financial people. So I, I try to set it out in layman's terms. I don't use a lot of academic language. Um, how all of the numbers fit together. If you do have any interest in that side of the game and, and you, you want to sort of just to get a bit of backup um, and uh, to show you my complete lack of business acumen is that when, when I wrote the book, uh, I, I, I'm, I actually teach football finance at university. I've got, I teach probably about 150 people a year. So I said to myself, well, if I'm lucky, a quarter of them might buy the book. So that's where you know, 40 people. I get, I think I get one pound commission per book. So I said, right, I'm going to give all of the, uh, all of the royalties from uh, the, the first couple of years to charity. Um, and that'll cost me. That'll cost me eighty quid. Okay, I've, I've done something nice for my local <laughs> food bank. Um, and uh, well, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, it, it quickly went to the number one in uh, in Amazon sports books, and I think it sold something like twelve thousand copies. Oh, wow. So, so I bought as a you copy. can imagine, I haven't finished it. Right, that's okay. I, I took it to Mexico and I, I started the first few chapters, but it's, it's on my list to finish at some point. <laughs> right. You never get any time. As I'm, I'm, Absolutely. I'm yeah. Anyway, thanks for being our guest on More Than Just Podcast, Kieran. Uh, Thank you. Good luck for your podcast. Good luck for the, the future. And I'm sure we invite you back uh, again uh, next year to talk about yeah, cool. things uh, West Ham Finance. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, All, All right, the best. Bye. Cheers bye. now. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 